Pure Dog Talk is the voice of purebred dogs. We talk to the legends of the sport and give you the tips and tools to create an awesome life with your purebred dog. From showing to preservation breeding, from competitive obedience to field work, from agility to therapy dogs, and all the fun in between, your passion is our purpose. Welcome to Pure Dog Talk. I am your host, Laura Reeves, and as always, I am so excited because my friend Dr. Marty Greer is here, and we have a cool plan for you guys. We're going to start a series, and we're going to talk each month for the next several months about neonates and some of the crazy, weird, horrible, scary, terrifying, no good, very bad things that we can see happen with our baby puppies from birth on up to a couple weeks. Pure Dog Talk is proudly sponsored by Trupanion, medical insurance for the life of your pet. This year, give your buyers the gift of peace of mind with a special go-home day offer from Trupanion. This offer provides puppies with immediate coverage so they're protected should they get into mischief in their new homes. Trupanion covers pets against unexpected accidents and illnesses with no payout limits helping ease the financial burden when a pet gets sick or injured. Even better, Trepanion is able to pay the veterinarian directly at the time of checkout, which means less out-of-pocket for your buyers. You can get this special offer for your buyers as part of the Breeder Support Program. It's completely free to join and available for breeders in the U.S., Canada, and Australia. Getting started is quick and easy. Just follow the link on my partner page at puredogtalk.com to get started. So today, Marty, we are talking about, you just told me, the four H's. Right. Let's talk about what that means. Sure. And so I started off with the three H's, which I learned about through NeoCare. NeoCare is a division at the veterinary school in Toulouse, France, sounds like a pretty great place to go to vet school, doesn't it? The south of France. Like, I, I, I mean, that would be cool. like this. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's too late for me, but it would right. be pretty cool. So if anybody out there is thinking about veterinary school, look at Toulouse because that sounds pretty sexy. Anyway, Toulouse, France, the veterinary school there did some really important research. Over 10 months time, they collected 4,800 parameters of weights. They did all kinds of incredible data collection on, I think it was 216 bitches litters. So they collected weights and temperatures and hydration and all kinds of really important things and concluded a bunch of material. And I've read as much of it as I can, but I don't speak French. So I'm limited to the stuff that's been translated. So if anybody can read French, they might be able to get into more than I can. I think Katie Campbell probably could help us maybe with Jen that, Amundsen. huh? Jen Amundsen has like... Oh, Jen. Yeah, Jen. Ooh, okay. Yeah. So we got some good people out there that could help us with even more data mining. But nevertheless, you can go to their website. You can look at the information that's there. But I basically took a lot of the information and tried to distill it down into something kind of manageable. And they started with three H's and I've added a fourth. So the four H's are hypoxia, which is oxygen, hypothermia, which is temperature, hypoglycemia, which is glucose, and hydration, which of course is hydration or dehydration. So we've got those four parameters and basing the rest of the discussion on that, we can get started with some pretty important things that you can do at home to measure, to manage. It doesn't do you any good if you can't manage it, but collecting the data doesn't do you any good unless you 
use the data. So you collect the data, you use it. And a lot of us do this pretty intuitively. We may not need to have some of the real hard parameters because you and I have raised enough litters of puppies that you can look at a litter. I can walk into an exam room, look at a box of puppies or an ice chest of puppies or whatever they're transported in and go, oh yeah, that one. Not everybody has that ability, even if they've got some experience. I think if you've raised a bunch of litters or raised a bunch of kids, you're in a better place. But even sometimes people haven't developed the intuitive ability to see this stuff. So if we measure some things like temperature, like blood oxygen, like weight, we've got some numbers to work with. And that's also really useful if you have puppy or puppies that are sick and you call the veterinary clinic and you say, I need to come in, I need an appointment, I'm in trouble with a couple of the puppies in the litter. And you can call with some hard numbers, with data. My puppies are losing weight. My puppies' temperatures are such and such. My puppies are doing this. I think that's really useful because now you appear to have your stuff together when you call the vet clinic. Well, instead you of calling, do have your stuff together. Well, you, you do. Yeah, because you're not crying and yes. you're not hysterical. You might still be and crying. You're not, but... <laughs> well, yeah, but you have something to back up the tears. So it's not like you're just saying, I'm going to lose these puppies. It's you're saying, this is where they started with weights. This is where I am right now. I need some help. This is what's going on. And I think veterinarians appreciate that because it also helps them to determine how acutely sick your puppies are and how soon they need to get you in. This morning, I called my dentist for an appointment. And the dental receptionist did a fabulous job of saying, is your pain so bad that you can't sleep through the night? Are you able to manage pain with what medications? You know, she was able to frame it so she could determine, do you need to come today? Can you come next week? Can you come in a month? She was able to frame it. And those are the things that having those parameters in front of you can be really helpful when you call your veterinary clinic because you don't sound like you're hysterical. You sound like you've actually got some data behind what you're doing. So I want to really emphasize that it's not just for your use, but it's for the use of other people as well. And if you go in with a notebook, a spreadsheet, whatever it happens to be with all your information, veterinarians, at least in our veterinary clinic, we really appreciate that because very quickly we can pick out who's in trouble and what we need to do about it. Because it's okay to figure it out, but if you can't manage it, it doesn't get you anywhere. So that's my starting place is those are the four things that we need to measure and how we move forward with that data. Okay. So we're going to just start with a free whelp rather than jump to C-section. We'll add C-section yeah. as another, another leg. So my bitch is free whelped. I've got eight puppies just because that's a nice round number. And, you know, I've got one that's just not right you know, we say ADR, right? Ain't doing right. And so my ADR puppy, I've weighed it. It weighs, you know, 10 ounces. Everybody else weighs 16 or 18. It seems to have the skin is tenting a little bit so I can test for hydration. How am I going to test for the blood oxygen? What are my tools on that? So you really don't have a way to measure that at home right now. We're working with a company that's trying to develop a pulse oximeter for puppies. A pulse oximeter is that thing when you go to the doctor's office, they put the little clip on your finger and they read out a number. And your perfect pulse oximetry, your perfect SpO2 is 100, which means 100% of your blood is oxygenated. Anytime we get lower numbers, then we start to get concerned. And right now, even though we can buy those little ones online for $100 for ourselves, we don't have a tool that works on puppies. I've tried that 
inexpensive device on puppies. I've bought a couple of them and they just don't measure what we need to. Part of it is the pigment color. Part of it is the size of the digit. You know, there's just a lot of things that aren't quite right about it, but there is a company that's working on this and I've been working with them kind of behind the scenes to see if we can come up with something. Your vet clinic can measure it, but you can look at puppies and say, are they nice and pink? Do they have a curled pink tongue? Or is their tongue kind of grayish, bluish, a little bit flat? So curled pink tongue means you keep working even at one minute, five minutes of age, curled pink tongue with that curl to the edges, you keep going. If it's gray and flaccid and you've got other puppies that need your help, set that one off to the side, keep moving. Now, oxygen is something that most of us don't just have sitting around the house and In years past, we used to use oxygen tanks, but now we have a great company called Puppy Warmer that has developed an oxygen concentrator. You can purchase that and or the incubator, depending on what your needs are and what your breeds are, and have that at home. So if you have electricity or a way to run the generator, then you can produce oxygen. Room air oxygen is 20%. If you run it through the oxygen concentrator, you can get it up to about 98%. So you can put them in a small confined area with oxygen running into it, just plug the thing in, and in a minute you have oxygen flowing to the puppies. And it makes a tremendous difference. All of our puppies go into an incubator at the C-section with oxygen running, and as soon as they're born, they're getting oxygen in the environment. So very quickly, we're providing as much oxygen as we can. When I was at the Louisville Dog Shows last spring, I ran into a lady that had purchased the oxygen concentrator from Puppy Warmer. She has a brachycephalic breed, which of course is the breeds that you really need this the most for. And she said, oh my gosh, the puppies were in the incubator with the oxygen, and they were zooming around in circles like they were on a racetrack. So it makes a huge difference in their ability to clear fluid from their lungs as soon as they're born and start really perfusing the tissues, oxygenation and the effects of that. So we start with that. We can't really measure it, but we can manage it. Even if we can't measure it, we can manage it with an oxygen concentrator. I used to have people buy the old used ones that you could find on Facebook Marketplace and eBay and things like that. And they're still good, but they're big and they're bulky and they're heavy. Okay. So puppy warmer is definitely the answer for the oxygen concentrator. Love that. No question. Hypoxia and hydration. So I know how I test, you know, you pull the skin up and make sure it goes back down. Anything else that people need to think about or any other tools that they can use in that particular situation? Contenting on newborn puppies because they don't have as much sub-Q fat. Mm-hmm. So without subcutaneous fat, you don't get the same amount of tenting that you do in an adult dog. Okay. So all you need to do is have a white tissue, a white Kleenex, and you just stimulate them to urinate and defecate. And if after the first time they urinate, when they first come out, they're going to be a dark yellow color. But as soon as they've started to nurse or bottle feed or tube feed or whatever you're doing, the urine should be so pale and yellow color that it should almost be invisible on the white tissue or the white cotton ball. Simple. Everybody has toilet paper. Remember when toilet paper used to come in colors, used to come in pink and blue and yellow, it used to come in these cool colors. Now it comes in white. Those are your choices, white. Now you can buy paper or you can buy bamboo. I don't care what kind of toilet paper you use, just white or white cotton balls. Those work really well too, because they're a little bit more absorbent. Our puppy visits, all of my staff is trained to When the puppies come in, they weigh them, they temp them, and they check urine color on everybody. And that's recorded immediately when they come in, whether they're sick or whether they're they're for tail docs and dewclaws, whatever they're there for. So we're very quickly assessing that hydration. So we look at thousands and thousands and thousands of urine samples in puppies every year. It's quite engaging and quite stimulating, but 
they are pretty good at holding them over the trash basket because sometimes two or three cotton balls isn't enough. And I love that if the puppy is urinating so much that it's soaking through the cotton balls, woohoo, yeah. you are hydrating your puppies well. Super so hydrated. for me, hypoxia is first. For me, temperature is second. And then hydration is third. That's my particular order. Hydration is very important, but temperature in the immediate birth period, in that first hour after birth, puppies come out wet, thank goodness, or they wouldn't come out at all. They'd be too sticky and too dry. So they come out wet. They come out without any oxygen in them other than what they got from their mom. So they've got to start breathing immediately and they've got to stay warm. And so you want to get them born into enough absorbent material like warm towels that you can very quickly get the puppies dried off. Again, the incubator that Puppy Warmer has is a great place to put them drying, but towels, you can't have enough towels when you're whelping. You know, and you go to Goodwill, they sell blankets, St. Vincent de Paul, they have all these blankets. They never have towels. I don't know where people's old towels go because they don't go to St. Vincent. Mine go to my dog room. <laughs> That's where all of my old towels wind up is in the dog room for puppy whelping. So that we can sequence who was born where and we can keep track of their resuscitation efforts. You don't have to be that fancy if you're doing them at home, but you do want to keep track of who was in what birth order and some of the information at birth with APGAR scores. So we'll circle back to APGARs here in a minute because that comprises a lot of information. But you get them into a dry towel as quickly as you can. And, you know, you can buy towel warmers now at Aldi. They have them for 50 bucks. And it's so power, but it's even better when you have a warm towel for your newborn puppies. So you have this nice little towel warmer. You can throw them in the dryer if you don't have a towel warmer, but you can buy them on Amazon for a hundred bucks. You can buy them at Aldi. They're wonderful to have because now you've got a nice warm towel. And if it gets a little bit damp, you throw it in there, grab another one. Mm -hmm. And you want to get these puppies dried off as quickly as you can, because chilling happens very fast when the puppies are cold and wet. So you need to get them warmed up. And then you I like heat sources under the puppies, under the bitch and under the puppies. I don't like the ones that come from above. The ones from above, I have concerns about dehydrating the puppies. I have concerns about the bitch getting too warm and not wanting to stay with her puppies. I have concerns with heat lamps. So I'm really not a fan of the overhead heating but they do make really lovely whelping nests that you can purchase. And then you build a box. They're round. They used to be made by the T.E. Scott company. And those went away. But there are other companies that have taken them over. And they're fabulous to have. They will last you years and years and years. And they have a little dial on them so you can adjust the temperature. You can start relatively high. The surface temperature the first week that the puppies are born should be between 90 and 95 degrees, the surface where the puppies are laying. But I like to have it built into a box so the bitch can lay out around the heat source and not have to lay directly on the heat source. And the puppies, we know from Puppy Warmer and Ken's work, when he initially started to develop Puppy Warmer, he tried to make the incubator exactly the same temperature all through the entire thing, corner to corner, side to side. And he very quickly realized the puppies didn't like that. Puppies like a temperature gradient. They like to move to where they want to be. So if they're warm, they move to a cooler spot. If they're cool, they move to a warmer spot. And so you want to give puppies that bit of variety and you want to get the bitch some relief because I've had so many people call and say, my bitch won't stay with the puppies. And I ask them about the room temperature. It shouldn't be above 75 degrees. I ask about the surface temperature. And if you're heating with a heat lamp, you don't have that ability to give them that gradient. The bitch is just cooking and she's hot and she's miserable and she doesn't want to lay there. She's panting and she's hot. She can't get enough to drink. It's really hard on those bitches. So it's much better if you can give that heat source from underneath. So you have to build the whelp nest to go with the heated nest. It doesn't come with a box. 
Right. So you build the or you create a whelping box that fits the whelping nest you have. We have one that's doesn't have the dial, but the one that we use is great because it fits in the Stacy uses those plastic garden things and she's got it painted cute and all that kind of stuff. And ours is rectangular, so it fits yeah. in the corner of that and it's got the yeah. metal wrapped coil cords right. so mom or puppies or anybody can't chew on it. And it's kind of a hard plastic. Like I don't like the cover of it. So we put bedding material over it so that the right. puppies can lay on that and that's warm and they can pick their spot and mom doesn't have to lay on it. It's fine. Hang tight guys. Got a little bit of information for you. We'll be right back to the podcast in a minute. All right, guys, whether you're a first-time breeder or a seasoned veteran, it's not just a litter. It's your legacy. Each puppy represents your hard work, your dedication, and it shows your commitment to the next generation. Revival is honored to support you every step of the way. You can find everything you need to support your litters and the health of your dams and sires with Breeder's Edge, Revival's premium line of reproductive and neonatal health products. Breeder's Edge was actually developed with the help of our very own Dr. Marty Greer, Revival's Director of Veterinary Services, and a leading expert in canine reproduction and neonatal care. Breeders also rely on Revival, the pet vaccine experts, for vaccine selection and safe shipping to give their litters the protection they need. Revival's online pharmacy serves breeders with a wide variety of prescription medications, plus a knowledgeable staff that's always ready to answer any questions. Grow your own healthy legacy with help from Revival Animal Health. And check this out one time only, $15 off your order of $99 or more by using the code PODCAST15. You can use this code by calling 800-786-4751 or stopping by www.revivalanimal.com. It's either you or Gail Watkins when I first heard this concept about heat lamps, because I grew up whelping puppies in the 80s like most of us did with a heat lamp. Like, that was how you did it. And when I first heard this concept, I was like, Wow, it just it really blew my mind. But I have 1000% adopted the concept and I haven't used a heat lamp. I can't even remember the last litter I used a heat lamp. Yeah. 15 years. Yeah, we started our barn on fire. I had a client that started his garage on fire with a heat lamp. His garage fire was down the street from our clinic, literally in the same block as our clinic. Mm-hmm. He had a heat lamp with his puppies and his bitch in the garage. He was at work. He rented the apartment. And the fire call came in during the day. And the fire department, he was on the volunteer fire department. So everybody on the volunteer fire department knew he had puppies. So they went into the garage, hoses blasting because they knew puppies were in there. They grabbed the puppies. They grabbed the bitch. They literally came down the street, walked into my lobby in full turnout gear. My lobby emptied immediately because, of course, it was winter. The lobby immediately emptied with everybody that was waiting for an appointment. I, to this day, don't know who left because I wasn't aware of who was there in the first place. They all screamed out the door like, yeah, we'll come back. You're busy. (laughs) Because they brought in all these puppies. The bitch had singed whiskers. She survived. One puppy was lost. It was 
absolutely mind-blowing that they were able to get into the garage fast enough and save the litter. So I have an incredibly healthy respect. We have a barn fire in our barn with my daughter's calf, her 4-H calf. So I have a very healthy respect for the power of electricity and the power of a heat lamp. And they're just not safe if you're not there all the time. And I know people use them and they get away with it, but that's exactly what you're doing is getting away with it. It's not the, it's too hot. It's not the right temperature. It's too risky. Like you said, the cord isn't wrapped. So there's a lot of better ways. And people use garden mats for seedlings. There's all these things. Just buy a whelping nest, people. Just seriously. You know, you're going to have 10 puppies. They're worth $3,000 a piece. You have a $30,000 litter laying in there with your prize bitch, who's also very valuable. And you don't want to spend $300 to save this litter to successfully raise. And even if you use it once, you have more than paid for it. And if you save more than those puppies... You can afford it. Investment. We think of it, it as a long-term investment. It is. Do not cheap out on something that is going to cause you regret. Yeah. If you call me and tell me that that's what you did, I won't feel sorry for you. <laughs> I'm sorry. No sympathy. There's a lot of things I'm sympathetic about. Not that. Yeah. It was life-changing for me. And I think, you know, listeners, newer breeders start with the concept that we're talking about. But some of us that are older breeders that have to be convinced like it didn't take much convincing for me when I first learned this information. And so right. anybody out there who grew up and it's just been fine, I'm telling you, it will be okay. You will be so much happier. I promise. Yeah. Yeah. I raised my first litter in 1990 and that's the year I started using the whelping box and have never looked back. I have purchased a second one now because the first one eventually died. Some do come with a rheostat that you can adjust the temperature. Some don't. And you're right. You can put those whelping mats like Breeders Edge has those nice whelping mats that you can put over it. They launder really well. And it's just a great system. So of the H's, we have hypoxia, we have hypothermia, we have hydration. So those three things all fall into line. And then if we add the glucose, the hypoglycemia, if you imagine a box or a three-legged stool, and now we're going to put the fourth leg on it, if you take one of those away, the whole thing collapses. So it isn't like one can go down and not have the others be affected. As soon as you start to get chilled, you lose glucose levels. As soon as you don't breathe well, you lose ability to keep warm. If you don't eat enough, then it becomes this cycle of spinning around and you circle the drain and then you lose puppies. So all four of those are absolutely critical in keeping our puppies going. Now, hypoglycemia, you can measure glucose levels on puppies. I don't normally do that. If you know if they come into the practice and they're healthy and they're fine, I'm not going to be sticking foot pads to check glucose levels. But if you have a puppy that you suspect might be sick or might be septic, and you have a glucometer at home, like the kind that people use for their diabetes, mm -hmm. you can use the same equipment on your puppy. All you have to do is stick the bottom of a foot pad with a little lancet that comes with the kit. The little sticks that measure the glucose are the exact same things that we use in veterinary medicine. There is a veterinary version called the PET test. So if you don't have one and you want one, I would buy a veterinary one. But you can very easily use the glucometers that people use. You can buy them at Walgreens or Walmart or Amazon or whatever. And you can monitor blood sugar levels, especially if you have the toy breeds that have a tendency to become hypoglycemic. So those are our four H's. And I just want to make sure that we've got all four kind of framed so people don't lose track of one and then not realize that one impacts the other, which impacts the other, which impacts the other. Right. But body weight tells you a lot about food intake and glucose levels. So monitoring body weight is absolutely critical. Everybody should have a scale. Again, don't cheap out. 
buy a $20 food scale. They're not expensive. And I like the kind that toggles back and forth between ounces and grams because as Americans, we normally think in ounces. So it's easy for us to say, I have a 12-ounce puppy. If you're trying to monitor their weight gain or their weight loss, measuring in grams is much more effective because it's a small mental change up or down. So you're going to have a more sensitive measurement on that. So if the puppies are gaining weight well, their glucose levels are fine. You don't have to worry too much about it. So yeah, those are those are the things to think hydration about. Hydration level is fine too, right? Yeah, probably, but they can miss a meal and dehydrate and not start to lose weight until they've missed several meals or until something is starting to go bad. So hydration can change faster or weight just depending. So it's a good idea twice a day to chart your body temperature, your body weight, and your urine color. And that way you've got some information that allows you to really assess whether you need to step in and start to intervene. A lot of people are reluctant to tube feed for two reasons. One is that they're concerned that they're going to suppress the puppy's interest in nursing. The other is they're afraid of it. And so, you know, if you start to see that your puppies aren't gaining well, then you need to either make sure that they're nursing better. So plug them into the nipples that are closer to the back legs on the bitch and move the fat puppies out of the way. Or you can start bottle feeding if they can suckle or you can start tube feeding. And we do need to talk about tube feeding because I think it's uber important. It's going to be its own episode. We're going to do a it whole should. tube feeding thing. Yeah, it should be. But I will say if somebody needs help before we get to the next episode, that Revival Animal Health has the tube feeding video on it. So at 2 o'clock in the morning, if there's nobody else up at your house and you're on your own to try and figure this out, as long as you have the equipment and the video, you can do it. So if you go to Revival Animal Health Learning Center and then click on the link for tube feeding, it's me we'll doing the, the tube feeding. Out. We'll have the link in the show yeah. notes, you guys. yeah. But it's in there, and I know it's correctly done because I did it. Did and so, it. you know, you can find all kinds of things on YouTube that are scary because people that don't know what they're doing can make YouTube videos. <laughs> but fortunately, I know what I'm doing, so it's pretty helpful. So those are the things that I think people really need to know. And we used to say before NeoCare that puppies could lose up to 10% of their body weight and still be okay. But NeoCare's information was very clear that puppies that lose more than 4% of their body weight are going to start to circle the drain. So you want to measure that weight very carefully. You want to keep track of it. So you want several times a day to be weighing puppies, temping puppies, checking urine color on puppies, and just going in and peering over the side of the box and going up. Oh, I think everybody looks okay. The other thing that I think is kind of interesting is a lot of people are under the impression that bitches will push puppies away that aren't doing well. And I'm not convinced that that's always the case. Not I think all, if although you, I have if, seen them do it. I mean, yeah, I have seen them do it. But on the other hand, if you watch carefully, and you can do it in person, you can watch on your camera, you know, over your whelping box. If you watch puppies, they tend to swarm in bunches like bees. They tend to swarm together. Mm -hmm. And if you have a puppy that gets chilled and the puppies swarm away from it, that puppy is chilled and it's kind of like paralyzed and it doesn't get up and move with the rest of the puppies and then it doesn't move over to where the bitch is and it doesn't continue to nurse and so the whole thing starts to spiral downhill again so again it's really important that we're checking these puppies throughout the day to make sure that everybody's warm fed comfortable and if a puppy's either too quiet or too noisy then we need to start intervening and figuring out what's going on and the first like 72 hours i basically don't eat bathe I'm lucky I get to go to the bathroom because I am so obsessive. That's me. But that 
it's that first 72 hours. Is that your sense also? Yeah. Yeah. The first 72 hours, it takes a bit for the bitch to get the hang of things. It takes her a bit to get the colostrum and the milk in. Some bitches are not good mothers for the first 72 hours. But if you don't do any of those things in your first 72 hours, you're a better woman than I am. Because I go to work, I go to sleep. Do I sleep next to the whelping box? Oh, yes. Most of the time I do. But not always. It depends on the bitch and her level of experience and how the puppies seem. I really like my bed. So I'm kind of attached to it. I'm not the person that sleeps in the whelping box or on the floor next to it because I don't do well doing that. I know myself better than that. And I know I need to sleep. So I don't think people should exhaust themselves to that point as long as things are going well. And, you know, I set my alarm to get up in the middle of the night and check everybody to make sure that they're okay. And if they're not, then I can start to intervene. But you've got to take care of yourself too, or you're not going to be able to take care of the puppies. I had a couple of people in earlier this week with puppies and they were so sleep deprived that even though there were two of them, they weren't really alternating and they were so sleep deprived that they were not making good decisions. And I think it's really important that people know that at two o'clock in the morning when you're tired and you're hungry and you're crabby and you're trying to figure out what's wrong with this puppy, it's really hard to make good decisions. And oftentimes our bitches whelp at night. So many times we go into this sleep deprived or we've been sleeping with one eye open for two nights waiting for the bitch to whelp. So we oftentimes go into this sleep deprived. And if you're not functioning well, you're not going to be able to take good care of the puppies. So that's really important. And then circling back to the very beginning, when you were talking about that first puppy that's 10 ounces and the rest are 16 to 18 ounces, the very, very, very first thing that you should be looking for on those puppies is a cleft palate. So as our puppies are delivered by C-section, and we're going to do multiple things on this, so I'm not going to try and cover everything today. But as the staff is leaving the room with the puppy from the surgery at C-section, they are flipping the mouth open, number one, to use the daily mucus trap to them. And number two, to check for a cleft palate, because a high number of puppies that are small and not thrifty are often affected by cleft palates. And for people that choose to raise them, more power to you. But if you're not that person, it's important to know off the bat that you have problems and that you get in. Now, sometimes we'll see other defects immediately at birth too, like an open abdominal wall where the intestines are exposed. Again, that's an emergency. You've got to deal with that right away. Those are really important that you start intervening with those and getting veterinary help with that immediately. But the first things you need to do as soon as the puppies are coming out are, number one, getting them the sack off of their face, getting a dealy and a bulb syringe in the back of their airway to help clear the airway if they're not already crying as they come out, and then getting them dry and warm. So those are absolutely essential first tasks. And then APGAR scoring. And APGAR scoring is, again, really important. We can do more of a segment on this yeah. if we decide APGAR to. APGAR is going to be next month. I'm going to tell yeah. you we've reached our time limit. So you guys yeah. be ready. We're going to do APGAR next month. Marty's touched on it in the past, but we're going to do a deep dive on that. And some of the things that we're just going through the normal things, we're going to touch on some of the things that are abnormal, like when you check for urine color and you potty your puppy and it pees blood, that'll get yeah. a heart attack. So we're going to talk about some of those things next month. So Marty, thank you so much. We can sit here and talk about this stuff for hours and we're going to. So let's be prepared. 2024, the year of the neonate. (laughs) (laughs) This will be fun. There'll be be little, little nuggets all along the way. Oh, I'm so excited. 
All right. Thanks, Marty. Have a wonderful, wonderful holiday weekend. Take care. All right, crew. I hear from folks pretty much daily asking for a specific topic or for a series of podcasts on a topic. So ask and you shall receive. (laughs) I've done all the hard work. I've sorted, searched, and compiled eight different albums from the archives on our most popular topics. And when I say there's a podcast for that, I ain't just a woofin. Getting yours today is super simple. Just jump on puredogtalk.com backslash store and click the PDT albums image. And when you're in there, you're going to find a collection of veterinary voices. You're going to find a collection for breeding and whelping hands-on. You'll find Pure Dog Talk University on dog breeding. Love the breeds. Up your game. Owner handlers, the interviews, events and sports. There is so much there. And once you're in those links, you'll be able to read the details of the topic. For a special introductory price of a buck ninety-nine, you get a link to dozens, up to more than a hundred episodes on these specific topics. And while you're there, if you or a friend or family member are just getting started, even just starting a search for your first well-bred purebred dog, you can also check out Auntie Laura's Beginner's Guide to Show Dogs at puredogtalk.com backslash book to get the foundational Pure Dog Talk episodes with bonus tracks. So hop on it, y'all. These special prices will not last. As always, if you have any questions or input, we'd love to hear from you. The show notes and links to resources on today's topic are available at puredogtalk.com. Drop us a note in the comments or email to laura at puredogtalk.com. Remember, guys, this podcast is for you. So if you want to know something, give me a holler. We'll do a podcast for you. If you wouldn't mind, you could help me out here. Take a couple minutes to visit iTunes and give us a review. The Dog Show Superintendents Association is a proud supporter of Pure Dog Talk. Our dog show superintendents are the hardworking people who make the dog show function. They are advocates for education and mentorship in the purebred dog fancy. So stop by the Supers desk at your next show. Tell them how much you love Pure Dog Talk and give them a shout out for their support. That's all for today. Thank you for joining us on Pure Dog Talk. 